Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. The fans have won already. What a spectacular week of competition we have seen. On this episode, it's Tony Pedragon talking indie rumors and Josh Hart talking about being the new guy in Top Fuel. And there is not a happier human being on planet Earth than the woman in that pro stock car. Our inside man on the street in Indy and a brand new Top Fuel driver. Goodbye, Snake, and hello, Ace. This is the NHRA Insider. And the wildest day in the history of this category is finally complete. Hey everybody, Brian Lowen's back again for another episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast as we are getting close to the one-month mark as we wait for the NHRA Gator Nationals, the Emily Oil Gator Nationals, to kick off the 2021 season, and it is uh, getting closer by the day, which is a good thing. Um, we have a good show today. We have two guests on, as we normally do, one of them being my right-hand man in the booth, Tony Pedragon. Going to talk about some of the news, the rumors, the things circulating around the greater Brownsburg, Indiana area. Maybe things that haven't bubbled their way all the way up into the press yet. Uh, we can speculate a little bit and try to uh, decipher some of the signs we're seeing out of some of the teams. And we have Josh Hart uh, coming on the show. Josh, obviously a very successful A-Fuel racer who will be making his debut as a Top Fuel team owner at the Gator Nationals. Going to talk to him about his program, his expectations, and what he wants to accomplish over the course of the 2021 season, which will be his rookie year in Top Fuel. Obviously, if he drives a Top Fuel car the way he drives an A-Fuel car, uh, he will certainly have something for the competition. Guy's been a U.S. Nationals winner. He's won all over the place and uh, certainly someone who's highly motivated and highly organized. His story is cool, too. We're going to get all that information. So if you're unfamiliar with Josh Hart, you're going to get to know him on this show. And if you want some of the inside dirt, stick around because Tony Pedragon, who will be our first guest, is going to be delivering that in as many uh, in as high a volume as he can. So uh, it has been an interesting week in the world of drag racing, as it has been you know, every week since we've got off the season. Um, but we had a race last weekend, not an NHRA race. That begins this weekend as I make this show in Orlando with the Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series. But this was uh, a pro mod slash drag radial event called the U.S. Street Nationals held down at Bradenton Motorsports Park, the NHRA sanctioned racetrack in Bradenton, Florida. Uh, which is run by a guy named Victor Alvarez, who I had on the show uh, during an episode called The Young Operators, where it was he and Tyler Crosno, two of the youngest, most innovative track operators in the country, talking about what it's like to run a drag strip in these crazy, wacky times we're living in. Anyway, uh, I was down there to call the race last week, and it was really, really good. Uh, the, the collection of talent down there really was spread all the way across drag racing, most notably for NHRA fans. I can tell you that uh, Lyle Barnett was down there with the Elite HP team. Um, you know, Justin Elks tuning the car, Lyle Barnett driving, and... Um, that is the car they're going to compete in the E3 Spark Plugs Pro Modified Series with this year. They did very well. Car was highly consistent. He was great on the tree, and it was fast as blazes. Interestingly, they were running NHRA legal, so to speak. The rules for this particular race would have allowed them to change some things things on the car, maybe run it a different weight, do some stuff like that. Uh, but they saw the value in running it as an NHRA legal combination because, after all, when they go to Gainesville, they will be running the car in that way. So rather than give themselves a short-term advantage for this race, they've planned on giving themselves kind of the, the long game, playing the long game, so to speak, by giving themselves a longer-term advantage by making a lot of runs in their NHRA uh, proven form. So that was really great. Stevie Fast was down there with the Shadow 2.0. Didn't have the best weekend in the world of radial racing. Uh, they were also tuning on Jim and Annie Whiteley's uh, Corvette, the JNA Service 63 Corvette. <clears throat> they had a guy named John Baker driving it. 
And Baker was killing it. Great driver out of Colorado. Did a fantastic job in that car. And Stevie and Phil Schuler and others, I believe, were fairly happy with what they accomplished over the course of the weekend performance-wise. It was a an event that um, really brought together uh, people from different sanctioning bodies and different series. And we saw competitors that run in the PDRA, racing people from the Midwest Pro Mod Association. Of course, Lyle kind of standing up, uh, f- waving the flag for the NHRA legal crowd. So it was uh, it was cool in that respect. It's always an interesting race. Uh, the race weekend itself was uh, was pretty fast. We had cool, uh, as one would expect, weather this time of the year. It was dry. And um, the one thing I can tell you on a very positive side is that there was a lot of fans uh, wanting to come in and watch. There was a lot of race cars wanting to come down and race. And both of those things kind of speak to the pent-up want and need of competitors and fans for the sport of drag racing and certainly bodes well for the upcoming Emily Oil Gator Nationals at Gainesville Raceway, which I do feel is going to be a, I would say, kind of a watershed event for the NHRA in the sense of, a real kind of comeback party. I, I feel it's it's kind of shaping up to be that way. Uh, certainly with some of the stories we're going to be talking about, not only with Tony, but also with Josh Hart today, there's going to be some really neat stuff happening at that particular event. Elsewhere in the sport of NHRA drag racing, uh, I can tell you that uh, the, the the buzz is uh, buzzing along really well in the pro stock ranks. Uh, if you follow any of the pro stock competitors on social media, you know that uh, a lot of folks have been taking deliveries of new cars and fresh engines and uh, we've already seen some some names on our uh, entry list for Gainesville, like John Gadosh will be down there racing. Bob Benza will be down there racing, along with the normal cast. So uh, Pro Stock this year is going to be very interesting because of the fact that you're going to have a lot of cars at every race. Uh, just by virtue of the fact that we've always, at least for the last four or five years, had you know 20 to, to 22, 23, sometimes even 24, 25 cars at these events. And... Uh, I feel as though that trend will continue with the addition of maybe a couple of more. Or you might see some seats rotate with different drivers that are going to get their feet wet in pro stock. People who have wanted to do it forever and have finally kind of uh, put the means together to do it or have decided that, hey, if I'm ever going to do it, I'm doing it right now. Uh, I feel as though we're going to be hearing some information out of KB Racing fairly soon. Elite Motorsports uh, has a full crop of drivers as well, and it's just going to be a matter of time uh, before they all really start kind of dropping their press releases on us and giving us all the big info. Racers like Kenny Delco will be back. Uh, Racers like Alan Prasinski will be back. So those stalwarts that you know and love will be back there competing as well. We know that Jason Lyon won't be out there. He'll be building engines at the shop, and um, I feel as though that's going to be one of the more compelling stories of Pro Stock in 2021 is looking at KB Racing and maybe you know, you're not going to be able to tell in the first race or maybe even the second or third race, but by the time we get four or five races in, what is the net effect of having one of the best engine builders in the history of pro stock concentrating only on building engines, not racing a car and building engines. What is the net effect of him spending that much more time in the shop without any other distraction other than trying to make their stuff faster? Uh, like I said, will we see it right out of the gate first race? No. Will we say it? Will we see it three or four races in when we're talking about Greg Anderson or Kyle Koretsky or uh, anybody, Matt Hartford, anybody sporting KB Power all of a sudden you know, looking very strong? That's when I think we can start kind of analyzing the situation there as far as Jason Line's role in creating that and sustaining what KB Racing hopes to be a very successful year. Obviously, Elite Motorsports has something to say about that, and every other independent team that will be racing has something to say about that as well. But uh, it will be very, very, as it always is, kind of interesting to see how things shake out. 
In terms of uh, other big news, it's been kind of a lull right now. We haven't had a lot of breaking news um, happening over the last several weeks. It's been, or I should say over the last week or so, it's been fairly quiet. And I think that's a function of a lot of people having having their heads down and going to work. Um, One of the reasons I wanted Tony on this show today is because we haven't heard a lot of stuff. And that's always interesting to me because things are always happening behind the scenes, uh, in the background, quietly being talked about. They don't necessarily always hit the light of day when you would expect them to. So um, when we have lulls in the news cycle, I always feel like that means that the rumor mill is probably going 300 miles an hour. So we're going to catch up with Tony Pedragon to get uh, the Brownsburg take as he lives out there in the in the beating heart of NHRA Nitro and and Funny Car Drag or Top Fuel and Funny Car Drag Racing in in the Brownsburg, Indiana area. And we're going to touch on a bunch of topics. And frankly, it's time to start doing that now. Tony Pedregon, our first guest on this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. Tony, how you doing? Sun's out, Brian, but it's freezing cold. But good morning. <laughs> hey, man, I wanted to catch up with you because, uh, you know, the news cycle's been a little quiet recently, which typically means that um, there's some stuff brewing below the surface at different places. And obviously, we're about a month out from the season. There's certainly things we do know, uh, but there's a lot of stuff we don't know. So I guess I was just going to kind of catch up with you and see if there's any kind of hot stove rumor stuff going on in, in, uh, in Brownsburg. Well, where do we start, Brian? Let's start with uh, probably what people are wondering most. Uh, what's the John Force Racing Team doing? Yeah, that is the um, that is the literally the million dollar question at this point because they haven't said squat. So I'll tell you what I do know. <clears throat> I drive by that shop all the time. It's right off the main road on Northfield, and uh, there are about a dozen cars there. And you know, so they don't have a full crew. Uh, it's really tough for the media to to really you know, and and I think this has been a challenge. I, I, you know, we're, uh, I think we consider ourselves, uh, you know, we're a pretty big sport. You know, I, I, yeah. I walk through the airport and people, uh, you know, either recognize me from the show or from, you know, my racing past. Uh, so we're on the map. And I think that big time sports want to know what the players, what are the teams doing? Uh, we've, it's, it's the sound of silence. Yeah. Uh, like when Dustin Hoffman jumped at the bottom of the pool and was just sitting there, you can't <laughs> right, hear anything. Right. It's, it's like top secret. We can't get the, you got to make an appointment. And some of the shops here, you know, and I can respect that. Hey, it's, it's, uh, it's John's prerogative, uh, to let people know, uh, what his business is. And, and by all means, I mean, I'm very respectful, never want to dig into any monetary, uh, I don't think it's any anyone's damn business what any sponsorship is 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 valued at or yeah. what anybody's getting. But um, I, I think people are wondering, and fans especially are are curious, and they're deserving of of knowing what what can we expect. Um, and and it always seems like this time of year, you know, we have to wait. We know what the Torrances are doing. I can call Tim Wilkerson. He's he's moving forward. They're putting cams and engines. That's great news. Um, we have to make an appointment and go through the process and the protocol when we go to Don Schumacher Racing. They do COVID testing. They take your temperature. Uh, we understand that. That's great that they're, you know, they're Diligent. practicing yeah. all the safety guidelines. But we just don't know what Force is doing. You know, there's been some rumors that, and what we do know is Mike Green is no longer tuning Austin Prox's car. He went over to Tony Schumacher. He was hired by Justin Ashley to work on that car. So there is no Mike Green tuning. A dragster. Uh, we saw Austin Proc at the Chili Bowl. He did well. He did very respectful, um, and he did better than a lot of guys at the uh, dirt race. Uh, so that was good to see. But um, 
by the sounds of things, it, it doesn't appear that he's going to be racing a top fuel car. But, you know, again, we can only speculate. We don't know what Robert's doing, don't know what John's doing. We are hearing that Brittany is going to race. Um, so there may be three cars that, that we can expect to see, but, you know, it's all uh, conjecture. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's funny because uh, it, it is by far the most common question I get from our fans via social media or anywhere else when I run into people. It's like, what's going on with John Forrest Racing? It's like, you know, you can only try to read the tea leaves. And, you know, like you said, having, you know, there are people that say, well, he lost all the sponsorship, and I don't think that's true. He hasn't said that. That's true. Uh, there, There is... I would say a common understanding, whether it's true or not, that Robert Height's AAA deal had a couple years left on it, which my understanding would be this year and next year, and that they retained that. Um, and then you go to like the the next level of, of, of trying to read the tea leaves where I saw a post on Twitter or whatever that Austin Proc had made the other night where he ended it with – uh, you know, the smiley face emoji with a sweat bead and a wrench next to it, which means, okay, maybe he's going to be a crew guy again. But until somebody says something, like you said, this is all just us trying to put the pieces together, and it's kind of crazy. It is, and it seems like it's been that way for the last couple of years. And, and look, Brian, I've been there. Uh, any of the team owners, uh, Don Schumacher, from the biggest to the smallest, we can all tell you that sponsorship is tough. Sponsorship yeah. is tough in a good economy, and there is no shame to tell the, the fans that want to know, the inquiring minds that want to know that, hey, we're working on it. It's not what it used to be. Um, there are still some companies that feel they need to be here in this sport. So they're not only buying into the team and the drivers and the owners, but they're buying into the sport of NHRA. So they see their value there. Um, but there's, there's just no shame in it. I, I don't see, I don't understand, you know, the secrecy, but, but you know, again, hey, you take me out of this seat Someday I'll, I will be out of this position. I'm still going to be a fan because I was before yeah. I ever got involved in this sport, and I will continue to be after. So uh, I'm I'm no different than anyone else. I'm curious. I want to know. Um, you know, hey, we want to keep our fans engaged because we're we're about a month away from from getting the call. You know, cars are in the staging lanes, and that's going to be that's going to be an epic moment for us. And I think we're, uh, you know, we're just we're just we want the build up. We want the hype and and. Uh, we just want to be in the know. Yeah, no, it really is. Um, in terms of um, you know other teams, obviously, let's talk a little bit about Don Schumacher Racing here, as we've just touched on Force. Uh, we know that Ron Caps, or rather uh, Ron Tober, retired. Um, there has not been, or has there been, an official announcement made regarding um, Guido and and um, John Medlin taking that that car over, which is again what everybody understands, but I'm not sure it's been made official at this point. I haven't heard any any of anything official, but you know, word gets around fast enough, and and you can you can do some of the math. You you put some of the pieces of the puzzle together, um, and it does appear to me that that Ron Caps will be working, of course, with with uh, with John Medlin and Dean Antonelli, um, and he's going to be running the six disc car. Yeah. So it does appear that it'll be Ron moving over to what was the Infinite Hero team. And, and taking maybe the one sole survivor who used to be my clutch guy, Tyler, um, to, to join that team. Uh, there's no question they won't take long to, to, you know, to get up to speed. I mean, that Beckman car was very competitive. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I think they may have to change some things in terms of, um, you know, weight. There might be a little ballast issue. But, hey, John Medlin is, is a specialist. Uh, Guido, he, the two of them have worked together for a long time. Um but it'll be a six disc car. Um, so not many adjustments that 
Ron will have to make. I, I don't believe in terms of his driving style, um, but they're going to communicate all of those things before, uh, and and they're going to be running a slightly different chassis, which which is uh, it'll be a duplicate of what of what Hagen's car was running, what Dickie Venables engineered, um, and the way it may be the way the car works. I mean, there's only so many things you can do with the chassis, so I've got to think that it's 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 something that they changed in terms of maybe some of the cross supports or cross members that allow the car to flex a little bit better. Uh, some other things that they do that are real subtle that the common eye can't really detect is some of these teams, they'll, uh, some of the crew chiefs will change the position of the motor. They'll, they yeah. can move it back a little bit. They can move it forward. Uh, they can also change the angle. They can change it, tilt it forward, tilt it back. So it's a lot of different things that are real subtle that they may be doing uh, but when you look at the stat sheet, not only did Matt Hagen win the championship, uh, but he was one of the most successful cars in terms of success rate. The car going down the track yeah. under power without losing traction. <clears throat> when you look at the Napa car, as competitive as they were, they won races, they blew a lot of parts up. Uh, a lot of explosions, a lot of bodies. Um, so I, I'm sure they're looking to improve some of those things. But it'll be interesting to see how competitive they are right out of the gate it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if they show their their muscle in qualifying within the first three runs that we're going to see in Gainesville yeah and um you know I think I guess if we look at the DSR landscape I think we're looking at a four-car team unless some something miraculous happens I think we're looking at uh Leah and Antron on the top fuel side and Ron and and Matt on the funny car side unless you've heard anything different no no it does appear uh to be that way um you know, and when you talk about Antron, I, I fully expect that he will probably be one of the teams, one of the drivers uh, that'll be challenging the Torrances because that's really what it's about. I yep. mean, who's who's going to step up to the plate and try to beat these guys? Okay, it, it's not easy to do because not only do you have to beat one, you got to beat two of them. Um, and of course, you know, Doug Coletta always enters into that conversation, and um, I know they're, you know, they're doing some things. I, I don't know that many of these teams are. Are really trying to R and D much? Yeah, um, yeah. Not not near as much as they used to ten or fifteen years ago. Um, they always look at superchargers. They try to figure out what they can do with the chassis, what they can improve with the clutch to improve the consistency. And you know, the question is: is what is that Coletta team going to do to try to, you know, nab it, snatch it out of the hands of the Torrances? So look for Doug to be in contention. Uh, even Leah, uh, Antron, Brittany Force. You know when when they do make their announcement, and even Mike Salinas. You know Mike Salinas yeah. is coming out. You can never discount Alan Johnson, the tuner. He's he's just he has a history of whatever car he has tuned. It's expected to win a championship. So that pressure really falls on Mike Salinas. You know he's he does this as a hobby, um, but mentally the the level of competition that the the approach to competition never changes. So. Um, you know, it's all going to be on his shoulders to see if he can carry that car into the winner's circle, and he's got some very tough competition. A, uh, a rumor that uh, I have heard that you and I have discussed kind of offline, um, which uh, I guess I'm not ready to say the guy's name out loud yet, but we can speak in general terms of a, a funny car racer kind of coming back out of nowhere, a guy that's based in the southeastern United States, and 
you know, this is the, there are going to be some good stories this year, and and I feel like um, you know the uncertainty of a lot of things overclouds some of this stuff. But I mean, this is a this is a team, a guy that has made a significant investment to buy equipment, trucks, and and they're going to come out here, and he's bringing a crew chief back with him. I guess in general terms, let's talk a little bit about that because overall, uh, this is a really good story that's going to be breaking pretty soon. Now we shifted back to Funny Car, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. When you say, <laughs> yeah. well, that's going to be great. That's going to be a great story, and and I think. Uh, I think some of those stories are are really going to change the landscape. You know, we always talk about um, the obvious, the, 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 the teams and drivers that were there at the end of last year that are going to be there yep. this year, you know, with the exception of it seems like when we lose a couple of very good uh, top five funny car teams, you got a couple that might be stepping right back into that role. Uh, yeah. You know, Cruz hiring Tommy's, um, you know, entire team. And that's going to open the door for maybe a Bob Tasca, maybe an Alexis, you know, to get in that top five if, if they can, um, you know, if they can get everything together. But Dell showed that he can run with these guys in terms of performance. He just needs to find a little consistency. Um, but, but like yourself, I won't mention any names. I mean, out of respect, we'll we'll allow them to make a big splash like they want to. But you know, when when you can hire good people and get good equipment and you bring some experience like this driver will bring, um, you're going to jump in there once in a while, you know, and, and uh, Paul Lee did it um, to some degree a couple of yeah. years ago, but now Paul Lee is one of those guys that we're fully expecting to be in the top 10. Yes. <clears throat> Oberhofer was getting the handle on that car. He was running exceptionally good, pretty much running with the pack. And and then if you factor in a little bit of assistance or consulting from Ron Tobler, um, that, that'll make that team even more formidable. So um, back to what you were talking about, I, I think that's going to be a great addition when they do announce it, <clears throat> but look for another a good funny car team to mix it up with some of these big dogs. Yeah, um, you know, I guess if we can transition this to some inside baseball, um, the the NHRA this week had a, a big meeting, um, a Zoom-style meeting, of course, with basically all the Nitro teams. Um, they revealed stuff like the purse. They talked about the schedule. They talked about kind of what the goals and outlook for the year is. And, you know, you're much closer to a lot of these guys than I am, uh, both physically and in, in direct communication. But what I can tell you is that, at least from my perspective, every time one of these meetings happens, I usually am getting my phone melted down by people in it, and they're not usually saying the kindest of things. Not only did I not hear that yesterday, I actually heard some people come out of this meeting and say, that went a lot better than I thought it was going to go. And it's I've not actually heard that before. So can you speak to any of that? Well, Brian, when you when you hear a cricket, when NHRA <laughs> announces the purses, <laughs> yeah. and back on NHRA, they might have thought, hey, we, we uh, overshoot. Uh, but it was fair. I, I think everyone understands the circumstances. Um, you know, I know I know it was a little bit of an issue last year because you know, as a as a business, the sport had to make a lot of adjustments, just like any other company. And it's still standing. They're still there. They're still having to make those tough decisions. There's a lot they know. There's a lot that they don't know. I'm sure there's a plan A, B, and C. And I know it seems like the only frustration from some of the racers is. Just tell us what you're going to do. Yeah. Well, they may not know. Um, yeah. You know, so so that's just the environment that we live in. But it does seem that everything went well on the phone call. I think everyone's anxious. They felt that they were treated uh, properly. Uh, there's still a few things in terms of 
Um, you know, some of the races being uh, make, making two qualifying runs versus three qualifying runs. But but for the most part, um, I think they've met somewhere in the middle, and and we are moving forward. I think it's exciting uh, that that the other thing that was announced is the Gainesville race will be aired on the Fox Network. Yes. So uh, that's great that, that, you know, of course, that'll expose the sport to more people. And it gives us the opportunity, um, you know, to bring more fans in. And, and, you know, no better place to do it than Gainesville because, uh, and you can expand on this a little more than I can, but I'm hearing that even the sportsmen lineup um, and the response is there's quite the waiting list of, of people, racers, that, uh, that want to go to that event to compete. Yeah, it is, um, you know, by all indication and and – yeah, in saying this in complete and, and utter truth, all indications are every aspect of this thing is going to be incredible. I mean, the the sportsman uh, availability sold out in something like 22 minutes when they open that up. Um, obviously, our pro teams are going to start entering and being on the entry sheet over the next couple of weeks. But uh, having just been in Florida last weekend for a, a pro mod and drag radial event, I can tell you that there's a lot of pent up want from people just to go out and do something. And of course, from the racers to want to get on the racetrack. So yeah, for us to be able to start the year you know, on the broadcast network um, with a, a, a marquee race, you know, I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing against us having any race on the broadcast network. It, it's always a big deal for us, but when it is the Gator Nationals, when it is something that maybe a casual fan or a lapsed fan that's rolling through the channels, he says, if it was, you know, I'm not picking on this place to say it, but if it was Topeka, maybe it doesn't grab that guy's attention. But he knows what the Gator Nationals is because it's existed for 52 years. So when he's scrolling through, oh, the Gator Nationals are on TV, maybe I stop and watch it. So, yeah, to your point, it is, it's going to be a huge deal, and, and what a great way for us to actually get this thing started. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it, it's, you know, uh, Pomona was such a tradition, and then going to Phoenix, and there's been a lot of talk about Phoenix, I think, I think that announcement that was made uh, was a little premature. Sounds like we will be back, and, and I'm glad to hear that news. Uh, how and where and the timing is is to be determined, but it's such an important market. I just remember from my experience in working with sponsors and, and you know trying to sell sponsorship and market and activate, uh, Phoenix was important. You know, not the biggest race because the facility – you know, could have used a few improvements, and over time, I, I think we'll see that. But uh, in terms of the market, it's it's definitely one of the big ones. So, uh, but Brian, just to get back to racing, and and you know, I mentioned two, three qualifying runs in the purses and the big teams. We always talk about them, but um, you know, it does open the door. Let's not forget that it opens the door for some of the other teams. And I think one of the coolest things, of course. You know, the McIntyre family yep. and, and, you know, Gary Densham, whether it's him or his son driving the car and this Tony Gerardo, you know, some of these guys that have competed, whether it's in the Lucas Oil, the Alcohol Funny Car Series uh, or in the Nostalgia Series, it still allows them, may, they may not be able to run all the races, run the full tour, but I think it's the coolest thing to see some of these pictures of some of these funny cars, these nitro burning funny cars, to roll them out of their garage at home. And, and and to say they're going to be competing at some races. And, and and not only is it cool to see, is it good news for us, but, you know, some of these guys are going to go, or they're going to get some assistance. Uh, they can go to Colette. We've talked about this before. They can go to Don Schumacher, and Don Schumacher's not going to nick some for, for money. Right. He's going to tell one or several of his crew chiefs, hey, give these guys a hand. He might try to, to serve up some parts and say, look, you can buy cylinder heads, you can get cylinder head repair from me, uh, or rods, 
um, because he is a businessman. Yes. But there is help, and, and that, that would be my only advice to some of these teams that I know they're doing. They're hiring the right help, uh, and even if it means getting some of their buddies to just come in, uh, they're going to have to train them properly. But in terms of getting a good baseline fuel setup, fuel system, clutch setup for that car to go down the track, I believe some of these guys are going to be um, are going to be successful at what they do. But you know, again, because of these things that have happened, uh, a lot of bad things, a lot of challenges, it has opened the door. There, it does have an upside to it, and and NHRA has made it possible for some of these teams to come out and uh, and try to compete at some of these big events. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a lock that we're going to see more independent funny cars and top fuel cars racing this year in sp- in spurts and bursts across the country than we've seen. Uh, probably in 15 years. I mean, we started to see a little bit last year, but I mean, um, we had a lot of great independent racers last year. But like you said, I mean, there are four or five guys, and and you know, Josh Hart's going to be the second uh, guest on the show. And a guy like Josh Hart's a perfect story. You know, he's uh, he's got a top fuel operation now. We're going to talk to him about uh, about what his expectations are for 2021, but. You know, I don't think a guy like Josh Hart makes the leap ten years ago. I don't think he does because I don't think I don't think it was feasible. And now when we look at the way that they structured the person, just to to, to, to give you the details here as much as I can, um, the NHRA has restored the purses in Nitro Funny Car and Top Fuel to within fifteen percent of what they were pre-pandemic. So to win, it's about forty-five thousand dollars, and then you go down through the um, you know different placing and, and qualifying, basically. Basically, if you qualify, you're, you've got about $10,000 in your pocket, and it, it pays back all the way down to like the 18th and 19th spot. So um, as you all know, Tony, it's almost more important to pay that, that down – down ladder money than it is to pay the winner. The winner is obviously the high line, you know, vanity number, the vanity total. Everybody wants to get paid, but the more teams that can put eight, 10, 12, 15,000 bucks in their pocket, the better off we are. Yeah, it's not. It may not be uh, uh, something you see on Shark Tank. It's not going to make you a lot of money. <laughs> right. But but what it does, Brian, to your point, is it does offset the cost, and not just for the small racers, but even for the big teams. And there's bonuses for the crews. Um, but it does seem that that we have the best of both worlds right now. We have the big teams, and we have some of these smaller teams that are coming out of the woodwork. And with the right assistance, uh, it, 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 it could make for some great stories to see more guys like Tony Zizzo in some final rounds. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch him and others out there this year. Uh, anything else that's been bouncing around that's caught your attention that we haven't talked about? Well, uh, I think I got myself in enough trouble today, Brian. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm anxious. I'm anxious yeah. to, to hear, you know, really what's what's going to happen with uh, Eddie Krawick and Andrew Hines. You, you know, I think I think we're all waiting to hear some news from yeah. them. But, uh, you know, they've, they've always been pretty discreet, uh, but it's mostly to protect their – you know their technology and and their innovations, um, but you know now that that Harley's out, um, you know it'll be interesting to, to see if if they're going to be competing or if they're just going to be out at the racetrack, um, you know. And and then there's the um, well, there's always the John Four story. We're just going to have to. Yeah, <laughs> I mean we're all we're all literally waiting for whatever that's going to be. So hopefully, uh, yeah. I mean I would assume they're going to have to say something in the next couple of weeks. I mean we're getting to the point now where it's like. You know, are you going to be at the Gator Nationals? Let's start there. Let's let's answer that question. Yeah, you know, and, and hey, I'm sure they want to do it on their terms, but yeah. you know, hey, we're we're the media machine, and we have to answer to the fans. And I think again, the fans deserve it. I know they're just as anxious as us. What's going to happen with Greg Anderson? We know what Jason Line's going to be doing. Is Greg going to be teaming up in a bigger way with Kyle Koretsky? I just I think there's a lot of things that are going to be unfolding in the next couple of weeks. 
because we're not far from Gainesville, and I know there's some testing plans, but um, you know, I think that some of the things that we talked about and some of the speculation, I'm sure some of those teams will be responding. Thank you, Tony. Go put on your uh, fake glasses and mustache and go hide behind the bushes over there at JFR and see what you can see. <laughs> I'll, I'll get the vest on, Brian. Talk to you soon, brother. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. <laughs> Take care. All right, after a fun conversation with Tony Pedragon, we turn our attention to a guy who, I mean, he's probably more excited than the rest of us. We're all excited to get to Gainesville, but there's one guy in particular who I know is totally on the chip. Josh Hart, how you doing, man? Great, sir. Thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking some time to come on, because I know you're always hustling down there in Florida. But uh, on a scale of 1 to 100, what is the Gainesville excitement level right now? Yeah, I'd probably break that scale. <laughs> Man, yeah. it's it's going to be great to watch you in a, in a top field dragster. And I guess I want to talk a little bit about what you are taking with you from your success in a fuel. Not necessarily, not necessarily in the mechanical sense, but really as a racer who has succeeded at that level. What do you carry with you forward into this top fuel venture? Um, you know, a lot of a lot of experience with the car, um, even though it is literally double as fast. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, we we did have a lot of success with our car. It just, um, it's just a little bit faster. That's all. <laughs> and it certainly is a little bit faster, a little bit louder, and uh, maybe a little bit flashier on top of all of that. So let's talk a little bit about kind of getting an operation together. Um, you're a businessman. You operate a very successful business down in Florida. How do you take that approach to now having a top fuel car and parts and pieces and kind of getting things organized, uh, heads or tails, to get ready for Gainesville? Talk to me about that process. Well, I never really uh, envisioned myself owning a top fuel operation, um, but then I also realized very quickly that we were operating the A fuel team on a top fuel level. Um, so, you know, from the truck, the trailer, and the design, you know, I really pride myself in keeping our stuff clean. So, yeah. over the last couple of years, I've I've studied you know teams like Torrance and people that really do have the best of the best, and I just you know try to uh, try to build something comparable. And it makes sense. Uh, obviously, they provide an, an excellent model. And, you know, for for a guy like you, especially paying, paying attention to a team, uh, as as everybody should be, to the Torrance operation, um, how much more realistic did it make the whole top fuel ownership thing? Because, you know, I'm not going to say that they, they completely changed the game, but they, they, in a large degree, did. When Steve Torrance began to have the, the success that he's having now, I think a lot of people realized, wait a second, I don't need to own 20 CNC machines to have a top fuel team. So when you look at your operation – you look at what Steve Torrance and his family have done. How much did their success help kind of open the door for you? It helped out tremendously. Um, I paid attention to all aspects of their uh, business. Um, but more than that, I mean, if you just look at the way that they treat their team, uh, their strong family base, um, their off-site business presence, I kind of compared myself to that a lot because, you know, my employees have all been with me for 10 years, which is when we started Bernie's. Um Till, till you know, uh, building this thing to what it has become today, which is which is pretty crazy. But even their uh, even their family. I mean, you look at their family presence. That's that's pretty remarkable. You know, Mama plays at every race, and it's just uh, it's just a really good foundation. That's what that's what it takes to build something successful. Yeah, and to me, it's great. Uh, you know, in, in, in any any sport, whether it's a motorsport or a stick and ball sport, you know, there's always an operation or multiple that kind of stand as a um, as a model for not only the present but maybe to the future. And I think you're one of uh, several people that have have seen the Torrance model and, and kind of in, in one way or another bought into it, which I think is a, is a great thing. It's just uh, 
it's definitely going to be fun to watch guys like you and others that are coming out. I think I would put Justin Ashley almost in the same league that you're in right now. I think he's been very astute kind of looking at how they operate their uh, their way as well. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for Justin Ashley. We raced each other in the A fuel ranks and um, looking at his model in comparison, you know, all those guys are doing it right. You know, you take your time and you uh, hire the, the best people so you're not blowing your stuff up every weekend and put, <laughs> you put the money in the right places, you know? Yeah, and let's talk a little bit about Bernie's. You brought it up. Um, it, it, if you're a gearhead, which obviously people listening to this show are gearheads, talk a little bit, bit about your company because um, it is – I don't want to say a speed shop on steroids or a restoration shop on steroids, but it, it's really all of that and more. Yeah. So my wife, Brittany and I started Bernie's, um, you know, we had 300 bucks to our name and we printed up some, uh, business cards and we actually went door to door doing uh, mobile detailing and, uh, we started, you know, doing superchargers and things once we got our first shop location, which was right there on the Bernie's property. And it's kind of morphed into this, uh, this crazy monster now you know we encompass a full city block um of hot rod hot rod heaven you know we've got a hundred thousand square feet and we'll do everything from custom upholstery and paint to uh you know twin turbo four thousand horsepower cars it's crazy um the stuff that we've kind of segued into it really is and i've always been i've always been even more kind of interested in in guys like yourself that are not only just into top fuel racing because the cars are fast and they make cool noises but into top fuel drag racing because you really love cars and i think that's a it to me it's almost like a secret weapon that that some people have and other people don't because when you truly have a passion for cars that that kind of ties the sport together i do think it gives you a leg up on somebody who just simply likes to go fast <laughs> I completely agree. Understanding the mechanics of it is very important. So, you know, we, we didn't have any uh, wealthy investors or, or parents, you know, to back us up. I just quite simply looked at the basics, and all I'd ever been sure about my entire life was drums and, and cars. And I figured the ship had sailed on the drums, so let's do something with cars. <laughs> I, well, listen, you uh, that was a, that was the proper decision quite clearly. It's, uh, it's working out pretty good for you right now. Um, so who are you going to be working with this year in terms of tuning? Like kind of let's talk a little bit about the, the nuts and bolts of this of this team and what your plan is for 2021. Um, so, you know, I, I only know Ron Douglas and he's been amazing to me. Um, he was with me when I was licensing with Vandergriff. Um, we are going to hire him full time. And uh, it's just something about him when he walks into the room, you know, he's the boss and, you know, he knows what he's doing. So uh, much respect for that guy and trust. And, and is there is there a more important kind of keystone to all of this than that relationship between you and your crew chief? I would say no. Um, you know, he's he's amazing, and uh, that is that is definitely a, a great benchmark for us. Like I said, put put your money into the the proper team, and uh, you don't have to worry about blowing your stuff up every weekend. And in terms of what you'd like to accomplish schedule wise, I mean, what is your outlook in terms of how many races you'd like to run geographically? Where you plan on going? What is that? Uh, what is that shaping up to be? Um, I'm going to say that we're going to do whatever it takes so that Alan Reinhardt doesn't call me a part timer. <laughs> Listen, that's been the, that's been a motto of my life too. So we share that. We share that in common. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got a lot of respect for Alan, but. Um, you know, it's hard. It's hard when the announcer keeps saying "part timer" to lure in uh, big sponsors, and um, we've been able to maintain all of our uh, regular sponsors throughout my entire NHRA career. So, 
I'm very proud of that. Yeah, and let's talk a little bit about that relationship with TechNet because I saw a social uh, media post uh, last week, I believe, that uh, obviously they're going to carry with you forward. So let's talk a little bit about TechNet and, and who these companies are that are helping support you in this venture. Okay, so um, TechNet is the um, warranty program that backs advanced auto parts and uh, Bernie's Speed Shop does a tremendous amount of business with Advanced Auto Parts. That's how I was able to maintain that relationship, uh, even through COVID. So um, they've been with me now five plus years, and uh, it's been a great partnership for both of us. And uh, appreciate you know that partnership more than you know. I would just hope to look forward to you know building that brand with Bernie's. It's fantastic, and you know when we when we look at the the scope of competition this year, I I was talking to Tony about this in the previous interview in the show, and you know you join as we talked about a couple minutes ago a pretty a large and growing number of what I would call independent teams. You know we we we've seen this kind of renaissance in drag racing, certainly led by the Torrance family that. Uh, one or two car, very efficiently run operations do appear to be kind of the model of the future. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that. And and as you see this drag racing landscape, when you look at uh, uh, not even a year, when you look at five years down the road for for top fuel drag racing, do you believe that we continue down this this model where it's it's more based around a one or two car or maybe a couple cars that are in a loose collaboration with each other, or do you think that uh, the you know the the monster super teams are are just on a on a a low right now and they'll come back? I hope this landscape continues because I mean we all like Don Schumacher and I I grew up watching John Force, but it's like we all used to kind of sit around the campfire and debate what would happen if one of those guys sat out. Well, last year we got to see what happened and, um, nothing, nothing, you know, changed. The yep. show must go on, you know? So it was kind of cool to see Justin Ashley get his first win. And, you know, as, uh, you know, Mike Salinas stayed out last year, but the year before he was, he was yep. doing great, you know? So I, I really like the, uh, David and Goliath approach. Uh, yeah, it makes me listen selfishly for uh, for us telling stories on television. It makes it real compelling stories for us to tell as well. Because as you well know, everybody in the world loves to root for an underdog, and and uh, there are times when no matter how good the single car team is, they always kind of look like an underdog in the face of a of a larger opponent. Absolutely. So if you could tell me, uh, who are you most looking forward to kind of lining up next to? And I don't mean that in a, in a confrontational sense. I mean that in a career, <laughs> in a career sense. I mean that in a, in a moment of, you know, you're going to be racing top field dragsters against the best people in the world that do it. So who are those people that you're most excited to, uh, to pull up next to? I would say that um, the most iconic names for me is obviously Steve Torrance and Tony Schumacher. You know, you pull up next to one of those guys, you don't even have to question the fact that they are all business, you know. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so uh, you know, if, if I get a chance to turn on a wind light against one of them, um, I'm, I'm definitely going to brag about it. That's for sure. No, nah, it's awesome, man. It's um, I'm, I'm looking very much forward to seeing you in the top field ranks. I, I, um, I'm excited for it. Just you know, knowing you, knowing how you conduct yourself, how you conducted your A fuel career, and and the fact that. Like you said, it's a it's very interesting to watch people take a measured as much as one can a measured approach to moving up the ranks of the of the sport of drag racing because you've been around long enough to see people that have just shot to the top so to speak and they're gone as quick as they get there um, versus people like yourself and others that have really 
I would say, done it the right way in terms of building your own personal experience, understanding the business metrics of how to make one level of operation work to move it to the next, and then um, you know, officially getting ready to put the rubber to the road. It's an exciting thing to watch. I appreciate that. It's been a uh, it's been a long, long way around down the track, but um, you know, we've we've prevailed. We've had a lot of hurdles uh, to get this thing put together, but. Um, we tried to conduct ourselves, uh, you know, ethically, and, and I think it's paid off. You know, I believe in karma, so um, we've made lemonade out of lemons, and here we are. Awesome. And one last question is, people listening to this are now super uh, excited to see Bernie's and see what's going on in terms of your uh, square block of awesome hot rod stuff. Where do they find you? Where can they see photos? Like, where can people actually engage with, uh, with Bernie's? Um, so Bernie's Speed Shop uh, on Facebook is is pretty up to date. Um, we're revamping our Bernie's.com website, so that just kind of gives us um, a glimpse as to what's really going on down there. And then also you can follow us on Josh Hart Fearless Racing. Um, you know, Fearless Racing was kind of designed because we actually donate all of our contingency money to other racers. So, wow. um, you know, we had a super comp car, we had a top dragster, we had a super gas truck, and uh, for, the, for my entire career, the last five years, we've donated almost every dime to give back to young racers to get them off the ground, so. Man, that's amazing. I had no idea you were doing that. That's that's unbelievable. Yeah, you'll see uh, Bernie's Speed Shop stickers on random cars, and if you just kind of flip through Facebook, you know, you got Taylor Iacono and Tori Iacono, yeah. those, um, we even sponsored Megan Meyer at one time, so. Man, you're not a pick them. <laughs> Those are winners. <laughs> wow, that's uh, man, that's really cool. Well, Josh, thanks so much. Congratulations on the uh, top fuel operation, and can't wait to see you burn some nitro down in Florida. Yes, sir. I appreciate you very much. And that brings us to the end of this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. Josh Hart and Tony Pedregon. Tony, give us some, giving us some inside baseball, some insight, some speculation as what's going on to some of the untold stories so far in this offseason, an offseason that is getting shorter by the day as we close in to that 30-day mark to Gainesville. And how about Josh Hart, an incredible story of a man who has worked his way up to the top fuel ranks of drag racing, talking about working with Ron Douglas full-time and making as many appearances as he can for his team that make the most sense. It is going to be fantastic to watch him. He is a very skilled driver. He races with a level head and a lot of talent, and he will have the, uh, the ability for sure, to mix it up with everybody in the class. Thanks for listening to this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. The world of drag racing has awoken from its winter slumber. The events beginning around the country. We had that race in Bradenton last weekend. This weekend, it's Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series action in Orlando, and the ball will continue to roll, as will the news over the next couple of weeks. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Insider Podcast. Until then, make sure you're paying attention to NHRA.com and all of NHRA's social media, as well as NHRA.tv Remember, you can now watch NHRA Divisional Drag Racing for free on NHRA.tv. You do not have to buy a membership. You can watch those divisional races for free, including this weekend's soiree in Orlando. Tune in. I will be. I'll see you next week.